moving and ministering in power and mind. Now, tonight we're just going to, uh, we're, we're, we're running with this uh, uh, important series on both sides, although here at Mansfield we're running three or four weeks behind uh, where we are in Ilkeston in the morning, but we're running with this uh, series called Thieves and Occupants. And um, very important that um, we, we keep at the door, as it were, in the spirit, things that would seek to invade the church that won't do us good. But also that we allow the house to be filled with what God wants it to be filled with, the culture, the behaviours of the house. And uh, we know that uh, in, the, in the New Testament that, that God gives uh, uh, numbers of pictures of what he would call the gathered church, not just in terms of the service, but in terms of the relationships that we enjoy. But one of those is, is of a building, of a house. Uh, and uh, so the thieves that seek to come to the house, uh, if somebody was going to uh, come to your house tonight and you knew that you were going to be invaded, burdened, transgressed, ransacked, you'd be on your guard. You wouldn't be saying, there you go, just work through, do what you want, just trash the place. Uh, you'd be on your guard, you'd make sure you'd see with all means possible to prevent it. If you've ever had, if you've ever had your house sadly burgled or, or things stolen from it, it's when often you've been away, when you've been off your guard, when you've not been able to be there. And we must be careful that that is exactly the same spiritually. Uh, as we think about the things that we don't want in the house, there are four primarily, they all came against Jesus, you read the Gospels. Religion, rejection, offence and control. Offence is not given, it's taken. And uh, I'm not going to open it up again tonight, but the message is on the podcast. And if you weren't able to uh, listen to it live, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast. There are things that, as an eldership of the church, as a leadership of the church, and as a church as a whole, we're passionate about keeping at the door of the church. And uh, as Christian mentioned last week, sadly some churches just allow anything to come into the church and sometimes don't even know it. And then wonder why they're not making progress in God. So we need to keep things at the door of the church. Things that would steal, things that would take away, things that would thieve from the Spirit of God amongst us. But then, well, that's not a negative, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word of awareness. But also, what do we want to fill the house? And last week, Christian reminded us that one of the cultures, one of the behaviours, he put that uh, piece up that Josh has written, not, not behaviours coerced or controlled or imposed upon us, but from a response of our hearts. See, your house has got a culture. You may not know it, but it has. It's either good or bad, but one thing is it's got one. And you determine what the culture is. You know, I worked on the insurance for many years. I went in many houses. I want to tell you, there's many cultures out there. Some good and some terrible, you know. And as soon as you walked in, you felt it. You knew it. You got used to certain things. There were certain things you said and certain things you didn't say in certain houses. You got used to the culture. And so you, there's a culture taking place. There's a culture that's built in this house, arena church. But we determine that the culture arena church will be intentional. It won't be haphazard. It won't be random. It won't be something that just develops. It won't be if it's bad, it gets badder. If that's a proper word, we want it to be good, so it gets gooder. There's another non-word. So, so we, we want to be intentional about that. And so Christian talked last week about 
the occupant of discipleship. And I don't want to go there again. Suffice to say that someone said recently in a message that I was listening to, that very few Christians advance beyond the first revelation of salvation. Let me say that again. That very few Christians advance beyond the first revelation of salvation. See, if you said to me, Phil, what's the greatest challenge that you're facing in over 35 years of Christian ministry? It would always be discipleship. He's getting people from being believers of followers of Jesus Christ to come into a place where they acknowledge his lordship and say that they will follow him with a passion. You see, if we're believe, if we settle for believism, then we've got the ticket. If anything happened to us tonight, we're in the Lord, we've been forgiven, and we've got to go to heaven. But there's so much more for us than that. He doesn't want us just to be a believer. In fact, he didn't call us to believism. He called us to followership. He called us to discipleship. He called us to a growing likeness of Jesus Christ in our lives. That what is, that's what a disciple is. And it's a continuing process. And to listen to Victoria, sometimes there's some bumps in the road. But God forgives us, he cleanses us, he renews us, he washes us, he sets us forward again. So over a period of time, we're increasingly coming to a likeness of him. That's our calling. And I encourage every one of us to continually pitch up for discipleship in Jesus' name. And then what we're going to try and do, Josh is going to bring a word in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and what we're going to try and do also is we're going to try and link some themes together. There's eight in all, but we're not going to spend eight weeks over it. So it's my job tonight for a few moments to talk about team and unity. And interestingly, again, we've heard in the video of the power of team. Team and unity. They are two occupants of Arena House. I want to try and define that, give you a little bullet point outline, and then bring a final application to us. When I think about team, when I think about unity, then on one hand, I'm incredibly blessed. I think about Arena Church, and I'm thankful for the fruitful expression of team and unity in Arena Church. In all sorts of ways, people having car parks, people greeting, people bringing music, their music gift, people ministering, practical gifts, administrative gifts, spiritual gifts, prophetic gifts, praying gifts. And they're all over the church. Yeah. It's a blessing. But I'm also broken because I realise that the enemy has run riot in this area so many times in churches. <coughs> and has brought a discord and a disunity to churches because he understands what devastation he can bring when he divides the people of God. And so very often, sadly, the church of Jesus Christ has allowed the enemy to run riot in this area and he's prevailed and we haven't. I also see people, and I'll come back to it in a moment, that disconnect from the body of Christ and think God's going to bless it. He won't. The Bible gives us not only a picture in the Bible of a building, but also of a body. And I don't know about you, but if a body's going to be any use, it has to be connected together. A building, friends, has to be connected together. You heard me say recently that a build, the, the building regarding the Church of Jesus Christ is not a pile of bricks, but it's stones joined together intentionally by the water of the Spirit with each part playing its role. And let me just say this. If we think that we can build an advancing, prevailing Christian life without being knitted to committed relationships in a local house, we're deceived. And sadly, there are people in Mansfield tonight that are deceived. If I can say it boldly, they ought to be here. 
Presbyterian the Anglican Church, or the Baptist Church, or the Methodist Church, or whether their spiritual home is, that they ought to be part of a group of people that they are connected with, and they think that they can do this thing called Christianity on their own, away from being related to a group. And the reality is that it will always have a negative impact upon us. So I want to use the word tonight, instead of using team and unity, I want to try and bring that together by using the word togetherness for a few moments. That's what we're going to be thinking about. And I want to draw your attention also to our booklet that's been written in the past. It's being revamped at the moment to reflect this particular series that we're doing. But in that, there's some very powerful comments and observations and encouragements regarding team and unity. For example, there's a, a, a comment there regarding the 18th century revivalist Jonathan Edwards, who saw an amazing move of God under his ministry in America. And there he wrote a covenant commitment in 1742 that drew the people that he was shepherding together because he understood the power of unity. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, Always make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the understanding of the literal translation of those words in the original language is that there's a labour into it in fact you could drive it down to literally meaning sweat at it always give yourself make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and there can be practical outworkings of this let me give you one example if you have a problem with me Come to me privately. And if I have a problem with you, then I'll come to you and speak to you privately. And if someone has a problem with me and comes to speak to you, then tell them to come to me and I'll do the same for you. If only the church had operated like that over 2,000 years, which is the Bible, and that we don't gossip about people, or talk about people without resolving the issue. But most issues, 99 times out of 100, the issue is resolved immediately. If, if I've said something to somebody that's hurt and offended, you realise, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Sort of. But when it goes to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and eventually gets back to me, it's only been a lot of damage done. And so we protect the unity of the spirit. Then what about team? Well, team is so vital. So language in arena like, I'm not a team player, is not the language of arena church, because we heard in the video, no long ranges. And then one of the things that's in our booklet is this. It's amazing what can be accomplished when it doesn't matter who gets the glory. Dot, 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 dot. It doesn't matter. But the question is, does it? Does it matter if you're in a team and you do all the hard jobs and somebody else gets all the plaudits? And you're saying, hang on a minute, it was me, it was me that was doing all that. And you've gone and told somebody else how good they were and you didn't tell me how good I was. Well, it doesn't matter. Or does it? See, this is the discipleship journey. And I see, I see people out there, I want to tell you, I see ministries out there talk about teams. They haven't got a clue. Because at the end of the day, friends, there's only one person in some of those teams that ultimately is getting the glory. And he or she makes sure they do. That's not a team. That's not a team. So we need to work as teams. 
And we need to ask that God would help us. Now, ladies, you'll be glad to know that the Premier League season finished this afternoon. And all, all the ladies who are in the searchers says, Amen! There's the under-21 championship coming up soon. In, you know, and, uh, and then there's pre-season training. And it'll all kick off again very, very quickly. Let's hope Mansfield do better next year. And... Uh, and if you've not seen the results and you're a Newcastle fan, you're still in the Premier League, okay. <laughs> but the reality is that there's a team that's won the Premier League this year. I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I'm going to use them for an illustration for a moment. Chelsea wouldn't be, and Chelsea's not here tonight, as you know that, yeah. We've got a Chelsea in, in Arena Church, but Chelsea won the Premier League. They won it as a team. Eden Hazard was Footballer of the Year, probably rightly so. The big guy up front, the likes of fire with everybody, Diego Costa scored a lot of goals. John Terry played every minute of every game of this season. And even though he's getting on a bit, had one of his greatest team. But what about Athlete Quetta and Matic and Ramirez? You don't hear about them getting much. But they've been a vital part of the team. And it's always true in the team that you've got some people that never get a lot of attention. But when you look back at the end of the season, have they been fantastic? Turned up, they tried every week. It's exactly the same in a church. It might be that your ministry is not to be on a platform speaking. And you might say, well, I'd like to be. Well, are you prepared to pay the price that's involved for being on the platform speaking on a regular basis? Because it's costly. But it may be that you're part of a team and it may seem sometimes nobody's taking any notice of what you're doing, but you are absolutely vital to the whole. You really are. And God's seeing all of this working out in an amazing way. If I can describe it this way as a little cliche, we need under the radar players in arena team that make it all work together. So three brief, very simple thoughts about togetherness. And I want to read a Bible verse to illustrate it. If you can put it up for me, Lucy, please. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians is in the New Testament. And he says this, this is Paul writing to a church. He says, whatever happens, whatever happens, and who knows what happens at times, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel and when he talks about striving together as one in some translations he talks about striving together as one man generic of talk of course a whole sense of oneness of unity Whatever happens, sometimes even in the life of the church, the breeze is just blowing on our back. It's just absent. And sometimes we're walking to the teeth of a gale. Sometimes there's just blessing after blessing, and then sometimes it seems to be crisis after crisis. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news, and then whether I'm with you or whether I'm not, so there's no thought at all. The apostles away, the, the cats away, the mice away. We're just alone and Whether I'm here or whether I'm not, I would know that you stand firm in one spirit together as one man for the faith of the gospel. That's amazing. 
just give you three simple thoughts about this whole thought of togetherness that weaves in team and unity. You can't divorce the two. First thing, it's biblical. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when people dwell together in unity. And he gives this picture of oil flowing down the beard of Aaron to the, to the lower reaches of his garment. He says that, there, where I see unity, I will bring a commanded blessing. Can you see why the enemy fights for unity? Yeah. See, the commanded blessing of God's unstoppable. And we're believing in Mansfield that we'll live in the commanded blessing of God. Yeah. That God sees something here that so is attractive. As one person described it, that unity is the runway on which the presence of God lands. But wow, incredible things begin to take place. Now, I've said before that I come across Christians that speak to me with a great fervor uh, with statements that seem to be in the Bible but aren't. Here's one. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, do you? Well, actually you do. That's not in the Bible. We understand that God gives us special grace at times. Somebody's <laughs> hospitalized. Somebody's caring for an elderly uh, uh, partner. You know, I mean, there's a special grace, but it's not in the Bible. God wants us to belong to a community of believers. When we talk about coming to the church, as we've heard tonight, I'm not just talking about coming to the building. We're talking about coming to a gathered people. Could be a small group. Could be a, a, a gospel effort. Could be a Sunday night service. But we do need to be part of something. And then here's another one. God's told me to have a time out from church. With respect, no he hasn't. How can he when he says that those that are planted in the house will flourish? Why is God going to uproot you and take you away from a place that you're flourishing? I understand at times people may need to share with people and say, can you just... Pray with me and help me through this. I get all of that. But let's be careful that we don't isolate ourselves from what God wants us to do. And then let's be careful also that whatever we do in the life of the church, we don't take it to ourselves. It always worries me when people are talking about my ministry. It's our ministry. But more than that, it's his ministry. And somehow he's giving you a part to play in his ministry. I don't like the phrase of my church. Not my church. It's not my church. It's our church. Yeah. This is not my ministry. For some reason, God's given me this ministry. I don't understand it. I just want to be obedient to operating in it. Yeah. But the thing is, don't take the ministry to yourselves. But remember that in a spirit of biblical togetherness, our ministry always serves the vision of the church. And the vision of the arena church is to go and grow to love and serve our community. It's as simple as that. Could be a small group. Could be street pastors. Could be helping Mark in the summer. Could be a prayer meeting. All the expressions of arena church serving the vision in team and in unity is biblical. And then secondly, it's profitable. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us that God's given apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers not to do the work of the ministry, but to empower people to do the work of the ministry. As I said 
recently, with respect, lots of churches are run by good people but not gift people. And the church needs gift people. It needs those gifts into the church to make the church be what it's intended to be. And if you read from verses 11 to 16, it's all about empowering the whole of the body, all of the team, to come to maturity and ministry. It's not, it was never intended to professionalize the ministry, a clergy-related divide. I'm qualified, you're not. I stand in the pulpit, you don't. I speak, you listen. I do all the work, you watch. It was never intended to be like that. It was intended that God would give gifts to the church so that the whole of the team, the whole of the body would work in togetherness, recognizing each other's gifts. And that's when things really begin to rock and roll. And we find our destiny and our purpose and our development in God. Now, last year I had the opportunity to be sharing to go to Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic, for two or three days with some friends and colleagues. And uh, when I was talking about it, people said, oh, you love Prague, you love Prague. You always get a bit worried when everybody says, you'll love it. Because you think, you know, it's going to be that, it's going to be that hotel, it's going to be that plain June. Anyway, we love Prague. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. If you ever get a chance to go for a couple of days, then you'll enjoy King Charles Bridge and walking around. And it's a, it's a very, it's a very, uh, sophisticated, cultured city. There's theatres on every street corner, there's music breaking out in, 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 into your hearing almost from dawn till dusk. And there's some brilliant people on the streets. I mean, you're wondering why they're not in the theatres. Great musicianship, harmonic four or five piece singing, brilliant. There was one exception. There's always one. There was literally a stereotypical one man band. And there he was. He got the mouth open in his foot. He got the feet. He got the And out of all of this culture music that we're enjoying that resounded around the city, his was tinny, off key, incompetent, and open to ridicule. And that's like some churches. They were never intended to be a one-man band with a one-man ministry. Friends, we need everybody to be part of the, of, of the biblical expression of the church. Because not only is it biblical, it is profitable when each of us find our place in the body of Christ. The profit is huge. Now I understand sometimes that we have to get involved in things that we may not be overly comfortable with. We say this to some of our young leaders. Now, I was talking to one of our young leaders last week, and he says, I'm having to lead the worship and preach on a Sunday. I says, I'm? Yeah. You know, he's got 20 people in his church. And he says, Sundays come round quick, don't they? I says, absolutely. Every seven days. You know. And I've done all that, sharing on Italian. And it's not good sitting there at times thinking, well, you know, I wish we had darling check in our church. I mean, we've got 20 people. Why is she coming? Yeah. Why is she coming? As someone said in Hopkins, if you've got a church of 3,000 in you are about serving that church in 31st. You know, sometimes they just So I understand that we need to get involved. Don't be overly precious about your involvement in things. But the reality is I love a church. 
Because people operating increasingly, their defined gift. And again, as we heard tonight, that can sometimes be seasonal. So you're not locked into doing the same thing forever. But there are people that clearly carry a passion for specific expressions in the body. You know, really, it's just obvious. Every time they get up, they're passionate. They can stir our hearts. They've got something to say. It just pours out of them. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to do every one of those things because they do it better. I mean, what's, what's the point of me suddenly getting involved in being the project manager for the renewal of the building in Mansfield Church? I, can, I think I know what an RSJ is, but you know... But, you know. There's people better than me at that. In fact, there's people all over the church a lot better at me than a lot of things. But I think that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Be secure in what God's called you to be and realise it brings profit to the church. Biblical, profitable and finally essential. Because Mark 3.25 says, if a house is divided against itself, who can stand? Who can stand? And the Bible says that we need to stand. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 14, it tells us four times to stand. To stand in the spiritual battle. To stand and prevail against the enemy. To stand and see the kingdom come. To stand and see a great church emerge in Mansfields. And we do it best when we do it together. I could give you many expressions of the power of standing, but let me just give you one in the area of praying. As you know, about six weeks ago, I had the joy of being part of a delegation that went to Cairo, to the Castle Aldebarra Church, just around the corner from Tahir Square in Egypt. The church is 7,000, a prevailing praying church. They so often had to walk into the teeth of a gale of persecution and opposition. Secret police coming into the meetings trying to bring arrest to the pastors. Even while they were there, while this pastor somewhere was preaching, there were two burly guys at the front. While they weren't just there saying, hi, how are you doing? They were ready for somebody to push the platform to take them out. I'm telling you, one of them was a big, he was bigger than Paul. Oh, he was, he was male there, Paul. There's not many churches in the world where you have to have your back scanned to get in. But you do there, you know. But this has been a praying church. And Pastor Sammy spoke at our national conference just within the last couple of weeks. And he talked about chains being loosed and doors being opened from Acts chapter 16. And listen to this, friends. In the last four years in the nation of Egypt, they have seen more things shift and shape and move spiritually than in the previous 1,400 years. There is literally now something taking place, recognized by authorities as well, that's bringing significant changes to that North African, Arabic <coughs> culture and context. Well, if you've never been in their prayer meeting on a Monday night where over a thousand people gather, it's like a rallying call. I mean, the ears on the back of your head. Whoa! Where they begin to sing? They're all out of days world like, where are they begin to worship? When there's that 15 minute message that goes out and then they pray and think, these people mean it. Yeah. And so there's an incredible sense of togetherness <laughs> that is calling prevailing prayer to take place and minister into a nation. 
Now only preachers in our prayer times, I know sometimes we get caught out by holidays and things, but I want to encourage us to continually press in. One of the great things about prayer is that we come together in one accord. That we come together in togetherness. So as I close, I want to put a couple of pictures on the board and the band are going to come in and close in song. I wonder if you could just put that because I want you to help me in the final illustration. Because I want you to look for a moment if Lucy will just put it up in a redwood tree. You won't see one of these in England, but if you go to the States, particularly the Eastern States, you'll see a lot of, of redwood trees, particularly uh, drawing your attention to the giant sequoia. Now, the redwood trees go often 120 meters into the air. They're huge, huge sort of growth. In fact, some of the redwood trees are taller than the Statue of Liberty and taller than Big Ben in London. If you go to the Big Ben, it's, it's a big building. But some of the sequoia redwood trees, wow, they go up. But interestingly, almost strangely, they have a different rooting system to what you perhaps understand. You think, wow, the roots have got way, way down. But what tends to happen, if we can have the other picture, Lucy, is that the roots tend to go across and interweave and, 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 and to share. In fact, some of the roots uh, have been noted to go horizontally over a hundred feet to the right and to the left. You have to put your instruments down a minute, mate. I need, I need you here. Julie, Jonathan, uh, Jacob, Andy, I want you just to stand at the front. Because for a moment, you're redwood trees. All right. Don't go weird on me. But Julie, you stand in the middle. I'd like you just interlink your, your arms. Okay, great. So, I want you to think for a moment that these are giant sequoias. Okay, going way up into the sky. Incredible. <laughs> Julie, we're going to have to really have to use our imagination for this. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've used a different team tonight. When we were down at the arena three or four weeks ago, I used the elders, and I, I thought it was a very powerful picture. And some of the elders were on holiday. That, that's the reason I've not done Andy and Paul here. But, but I also thought I'd use a different team tonight because I want to give another expression to Arena Church of the power of team. So we've got a worship team. There's other members of this team as well, as you know. They serve so well. It's not an easy job to turn up every week, refresh new songs, new songs, and the guys, even with the irritations and frustrations of tonight's speakers have served as well again. And we thank you guys for the ministry and what you bring to Arena Mansfield. And I think that this works best because they work as a team. They work as a team. They've clearly got different instrumental gifts. Wouldn't you die to be able to play guitar like that? Okay. I mean, it's ridiculous some of the chords he plays. And I, 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 I can play a few chords on a guitar, but this guy is just, you know, stratospheres in front of most people. And, uh, and 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 uh, just to be able to just be able to play instruments competently is a gift to the church. And I go all over the central area. I never cease to be amazed at some of the gifts in the church. Some of these guys can play some professionally, professionally, no problem. But they have given their gift to the church, so they're interlinked. But the, the, the reality is that I, I sort of saw that picture. I saw it across different teams in arena. The, the roots. Not only go deep, but they go horizontally. And here's what somebody said about the sequoia tree. He says that it's able to withstand the high winds and the raging floods because there is a great 
strength of the interweaving of the roots against the forces of nature. Isn't that fantastic? And so when the winds and the waves blow across Arena Church, sometimes because they just do, sometimes because we're in a spiritual battle, sometimes because they come against specific teams in the church to try and discourage them, to stop them. And Paul talked to me a little bit about that as they're trying to find a breakthrough in small groups. Some of the battles that people trying to stop people. That we find that team element, that sense of togetherness. We're not on our own, we're not doing our own thing, we're not a lone ranger. Doesn't matter who gets the glory. But we come together with this interlinking of root across. And it brings an incredible strength. And I want to encourage you, if you've never found a church where you can live like that, that is the heart of God for you. That you can find knitted, committed relationships that go across to other people. You understand about the relationship with the Lord that makes it all possible. But you find those sorts of relationships that bind you together and keep you strong in every circumstance. Thank you. You can get your guitars and everything. We're nearly ready to go. So there we have it. We are absolutely committed in Arena Church Mansfield and across whatever God will do in what we would call Arena Church to live with a spirit of team and of unity. It's biblical, it's profitable, and it's essential. And I'd encourage you to find those knitted, committed relationships. Thank God for people that have found them and lived them. It's wonderful. It's great to see the camaraderie, the relationships. It's great to see. Continue to foster them, enjoy them. If you've never found that, then find a place where you know that you belong, that you relate. This is the heart of God for His prevailing advancing church.